Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we welcome our special guest, Amy Brooks, as she shares her family's adoption story. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder. This is the podcast all about domestic infant adoption. So if you're a faithful listener or if you're first time listening, thank you for joining me. Our guest on the show today is Amy Brooks, who is a wife and mom to three children. Amy and her husband became parents through the blessings of adoption through their journey through infertility. And she blogs over at prayerwinechocolate.com. Awesome name. And her spiritual journey, the blog is about her spiritual journey to motherhood and beyond. And on her blog, she describes herself as a dreamer, a believer, and a constant work in progress. She says that she's all about setting goals and going for it. And she's always dreamed about becoming a wife and a mom. But the journey to those destinations were not what she had envisioned. And she recently wrote and published a wonderful book called be Yourself, a journal for Catholic girls, which can be found on her blog or on Amazon.com. So today I wanted to share her, have her on to share her adoption story and really how her faith has played a huge part in that story. It's a little bit different than some of the stories we've had on the podcast, and I'm excited to have her share her story with us right now. Let's get into the interview with Amy. Okay, welcome, Amy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Tim? Oh, fabulous, fabulous. And thank you for coming on the show to tell your story. And everybody loves stories, and adoption stories are so powerful. And so uh, we haven't had one on the podcast for a little bit, and I'm really excited to have you come on because I know faith has played a pretty big part in your journey, and I'm love, I am love. want to hear how that has played a part in your journey. Uh, and I also I love your blog. You know, I, the reason I came to f- even find you, your blog, prayerwinechocolate.com, I, I, it just makes me want to read more, especially how prayer, wine, and chocolate actually mix into your life and your story. So I love how you share your faith so openly and honestly in your writing. And, and I could see how a lot of folks follow your blog, including my wife, who was the one who found your blog and has uh, been reading it. And she loves it so much. She suggested, hey, I contact you and about being a guest on the show. So I'm glad I did, and uh, we'll share some links uh, in the show notes for this uh, to your site there, prayerwinechocolate.com, and so folks can get a glimpse of uh, how your blogging style and how you write there. And I actually just wanted to start with that. When and why did you even start the blog, prayerwinechocolate.com? Well, I, first of all, I'm going to thank you for for allowing me to tell our story, and um, I'm excited to be to be interviewed today. Um, but the the whole re- one of the I, I started prayerwinechocolate.com for a couple reasons, and one was once we did adopt, I resigned from my teaching career, and I was doing all different things to work from home, and uh, someone suggested this, and I kind of said no for a while, but then I looked into it and I thought. When we started our second adoption journey, we decided that we were not going to sign on with an adoption agency because we just financially couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I I thought, you know, let me write down everything that we do, and that way I'm sure there's plenty of people that want to adopt and just just can't wrap their head around the $30,000 or more that adoption agencies request of you. 
so I thought, you know, this would be a great way for me to help others and document our journey. So that was one of the reasons why I started prayerwinechocolate.com. And um, actually, uh, when I was looking for domain names, I was looking for, I, I actually started looking for raining roses because of the novena I prayed to St. Therese where she brings you a rose, but raining roses was not available. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as I was thinking for a name for the blog and the domain name, I thought about, in my 20s, a group of girls and I were all going through a really rough time. So we decided to get together once a week and we would pray the rosary. But we also would bring food and we'd have a glass of wine. And when we did our intentions, we would just get it all out, all the stuff we were going through. And um, for years we did that. And then we were talking you know, years later, boy, we should write a book. We should, you know, write, you know, all these intentions that we prayed for and what happened, how many of our prayers were answered. And I guess it was around the time that um, Eat, Pray, Love was out in the movie theaters. So we we said we would call our book Prayer, Wine, Chocolate because, you know, we would pray and we'd eat our (laughs) chocolate and drink our wine as we were praying. So that came back to me and I said it to my husband. He goes, oh, that is totally you. (laughs) <laughs> so, I, so I went with it, and I'm so glad that Raining Roses was taken because prayer wine chocolate does have a nice ring to it, and it really, you know, gives me a lot to share with people about where I'm coming from and how faith isn't just nuns in a cloistered abbey. You know, it, it's real life, and it doesn't mean you have to not be joyful and not celebrate. And, uh, you know, Jesus' first miracle was he made a whole lot of wine. So I don't think he <laughs> is anti-wine. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how it all started. I wanted to share our adoption journey, but our adoption journey is intertwined with our faith. Absolutely. So. I wanted to just ask you how you started or how you even knew you wanted to do infant adoption. Is it just you knew you wanted a, a baby from birth or... How did you decide on that? Well, um, honestly, I even, I remember my person, you know, I don't know what my husband's story is, but personally, I always thought about adoption being such a beautiful thing. Long before Brad and Angelina, I wanted a house that was (laughs) like the United Nations. I wanted the family that looked like, you know, I just thought it was a beautiful, beautiful choice. I, I remember, you know, learning about, you know, what abortion was and thinking immediately, why would someone choose abortion over adoption? You know, but I was 13. You know, I've learned a lot since then of what people think about and reasons why people can even consider termination. But it was just something that I always thought would was a beautiful action. So, you know, I, my husband and I actually didn't get married until we were 30, and we just thought, well, we'll just see what happens. You know, we can't wait to have a family. Um, one friend at our wedding said, I've never heard people pray for children so much. <laughs> so we were so excited to have children. Like, we, we, didn't, we wanted to have a big family. And, you know, a year went by, and I never got pregnant. Another year went by, and I ended up, actually charting with um, one of the, um, I don't know if you're familiar with natural family planning. Absolutely, yeah. There's different different kinds, and we found the Creighton model. And through charting through the Creighton model, I found out a lot about what was going on in my body that I didn't learn from my 
regular OBGYN. And we tried a lot of things. I got surgery. And I do believe it helped me, um, my, my health. But I, we, we never conceived. So I said to my husband, why don't, why don't we look into adoption? Because that had been always something I wanted to do. But I think this kind of forced us into it in a way. I don't even want to say forced. It, like I said, it was on my heart. And I just kind of thought, well, maybe this is not the way we are meant to become parents. So infant adoption, though, I just thought, you know, I, parenting, I know parenting is difficult. And I desire, I do desire a baby. I taught high school for 14 years. I was ready for the the cute baby Mm -hmm, (laughs) I've been dealing with. I started teaching seventh and eighth grade when I graduated college. I did that for four years and for, you know, another 10 years I was teaching high school. I was like, I, I, I want to enjoy a baby before I'm back in the high school years. And, and honestly, parenting is hard. So if I start with feed, change diaper, hold, <laughs> I will eventually get, you know, maybe, you know, the idea and the skills, you know, parenting takes. So, and my husband, you know, desired a little one too. Yeah, so we decided to explore adoption. And um, honestly, when we first decided to look into it, we didn't know if we were going to go international or domestic. We actually started saving and we had a huge fundraiser because I, we, it, this cost was so intimidating, yeah. just so intimidating. And, um, you know, I, I guess it was around 2009 that we really started saving, saving. 2010, we had a huge fundraiser. Finally, I guess around 2011, what happened was somebody, a, a cousin of my husband's knew someone, we matched, but that was a, that's a whole other story. It didn't work out. But then we found our adoption agency. We signed on with them. And our son was born in 2012. So the finalization didn't take place until January 2013. But we met him when he was two and a half weeks old. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was adoption number one. That was adoption number one, yeah. And lots of prayers were said, of course. Did your faith... In or not faith, but your prayer life and intensify when you wanted to go for additional children. Well, my prayer life has always been pretty intense. I I, I call God a lot (laughs) 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 because I know that that we are supposed to ask and we are supposed to be thankful, and you know, uh, to me, it's just a natural. He's a natural father to go to, I guess. So we actually prayed a novena, which I had mentioned earlier, um, to St. Therese. You pray this prayer where you ask St. Therese to pray for you. And um, the end of the prayer is, or part of the prayer is, please pick me a rose from the heavenly gardens and send it to me as a message of love. When our son was baptized, the church gave us a rose. Mm-hmm. Were your children baptized as babies? Were they baptized in mm-hmm. the church yes did you get a rose yes you did we okay did. most people i ask are like no oh really i didn't get one. Oh yeah yeah Knights <laughs> so of Columbus. i just thought that that yeah. was like a symbol of you know saint Therese answering our prayers oh, that's awesome yeah and i mean the rosary group continued you know and every time we got together i would be praying for you know babies my friends would be praying we hope amy gets Lots of babies. <laughs> <laughs> so it was always a prayer. And um, 
I'm sure other people prayed for us. But when our second journey began, you know, we really shared a lot on social media because we hope to connect that through someone we know. But I think that what happened was when I shared and shared and shared, a lot of people, their heart felt my, my desire, and I think they prayed for us a lot, too. I think that other people's prayers really helped us as well as our own. Yeah, I, I remember reading on your blog, you said, for as long as I can remember, my faith has been my parachute, bridge, comfort, and lens. I really like how you bring all those, it brings a visual to mm-hmm. aspects of your faith. And so I, you can definitely tell it's it's played a part in, in your life and uh, especially your adoption journey. And you also mentioned the, the spiritual adoption prayer. Can you talk about that? What led you to start praying that? Well, what is it and what led you to start praying it? Well, the spiritual adoption prayer is a very short prayer. I believe it was written by a man named Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who lived, I think, in the 1950s and was a priest, and I think he was actually on TV. Yeah, he was, yeah. So uh, the first time I came across that prayer, I was in high school, and the pro-life group at our high school had a, a table set up in the cafeteria at lunch, and they had pink cards and blue cards, and they said, you know, you pay a dollar, go towards the pro-life club or whatever, and you, you get this card, and and it had the prayer, and I loved how you could pick the name. I thought that was so cool. So I picked a little girl, Emily Page. I remember a girl at my, my table helped me pick the middle name, and I just thought, oh, that's, that's so cute, you know, what a great thing. And then I never thought about it again until our second adoption journey, actually. I didn't, we, we didn't pray it as a family before then, so... During our second adoption journey, I was racking my brain on how I could connect with a a woman who's experiencing unplanned pregnancy and is totally not ready for parenthood. And my mind just went to the women that walk in abortion clinics. And I know there's different reasons, but I thought, you you know, how sad is it that all I can, all I dream about night and day is bringing a child into this family. And this gift that these women are given are in such a state of their life that they want to get rid of what I want the most. You know, this gift. I I see the gift because of infertility. But they they are in a, who knows, every woman's story is different. So I just prayed for them and prayed for them and prayed for them every night. I would just pray for the women and their babies. Because how sad is it that something that should be so joyful is not. So I was praying for them, and then as I was praying for them, I came across on a website called Holy Heroes, the Spiritual Adoption Prayer. And they gave you a printout, you know, you could print it out. And I was like, wow, I remember this. So we, I printed it out. I showed it to my husband. We put the name down, Jana Therese, that we had picked out for a girl for years and years and years, and we put it on the fridge. And every night after dinner, or not after dinner, before dinner, when, after we would pray, we'd pray the Grace Before Meals prayer. And we pray this uh, Sacred Heart Jesus prayer. And then we, we just tagged it on because it literally takes you 20 seconds to pray it. It says, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you very much. We beg you to spare the life of, and then you, right now we're praying for Darius Anthony, the unborn baby we have spiritually adopted who is in danger of abortion. And that's it. So we wrote the date down. We prayed it. And um, again, this is during our second adoption journey. We're not having any connections at all. We're, and we're praying this for months. 
I'm making, you know, I'm making connections, but we're not getting matched. So I thought, you know what, maybe I should go in front of a Planned Parenthood and hold up a sign and say, I will adopt your baby. You know, mm. I'm just thinking of different ways that to, to get the word out about yeah. us. So it was August. My son was three years old. I, I, I did some research and I, I found out that the Planned Parenthood, 10 minutes from me, there was a group that prayed on Friday mornings because I did not want to go by myself. I did not feel comfortable. I had never done that before. I didn't know what I was going to encounter. I wanted, you know, support there. So I made a sign and I, I went with my son and I started talking to a woman there that and explaining, like, we want to adopt, this is our son. And she said, hold on a minute. There were people walking into the clinic, but it's not in a city. It's in a suburb. So the parking lot's pretty far away. She pulls up a bullhorn. She's like, there's someone here that will adopt your baby. I was, I was mortified. Oh. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's screaming through a bullhorn. So I, I was mortified. I grabbed my son's hand and started walking away as quickly as possible and making a face at the woman walking up the street. I'm like, this woman's left. She's crazy. She's crazy. <laughs> So, but then I'm like, okay, she was done. I went back and I, I'm like, I don't like to really think things that I don't, I don't want to. So I, I, I said, really a bullhorn? Like I really, I questioned her. I'm like, who responds to that? And she, and, and another woman was praying violently. And she said, some of these women coming here are praying for a sign. And sometimes we are the sign they are praying for. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So we kept talking. And as we're talking, we turn around and we see a woman in her 20s. And it looked like her mother walking towards us. They were, they came out of the clinic and they walked towards us and they were walking towards us. And here they came out. The mom said she needs a place to stay. You know, in other words, if she stays pregnant, she can't live where she's going to live. And we hugged, we cried. And the woman with the bullhorn got on the phone and started looking for an apartment for her through the pro-life organization. And uh, I'm standing there with this girl and I'm like, hey, so where are you from? You know, just talking to her. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so she said where she was from. And I said, wow, that was so far away. Why would you come this far? And she said, well, the clinic near me only does up until 13 weeks, six days. And then she said, this is it's kind of odd. She said, I'm 13 weeks, nine days. So I don't know why she didn't say she was 14 weeks. But, so I said, oh, huh, that's interesting. I, I didn't realize there were certain places that did it. You know, I had no idea. And anyway, the whole time I'm talking to her, she's a nice girl. She wanted to talk. My son is three. Mom, 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 the whole time. <laughs> so uh, I took him up and I said, I'm sorry, excuse me. I said, Xavier, that's my something. I said, what, what? He's like, I want to go to a baby's breath. Now, a baby's breath is the crisis pregnancy center I, I came to know through my second adoption journey and started volunteering. And I said, do you want to go there because they have lollipops? And he said, yes. <laughs> And then the girl that I was talking to that walked out of her abortion appointment went in her pocketbook and took out two lollipops and gave him one and had one herself. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a sweet, sweet moment. So that was the Friday. I went home on Sunday and said, she said she was about 14 weeks. How long have we been praying for our baby, Jane Trez? Now, I figured out if she was, whatever she said, she was 14 weeks and one day pregnant. We had been praying for that baby girl because we wrote the date down for 14 weeks in one day. Whoa. Yeah. So I, my mouth hit the floor. <laughs> I was like, no way. No way. 
So anyway, we kept praying, and Mary was the name of the woman who with the bullhorn who was getting her an apartment, really stayed in touch with her. And that was the first time I ever met Mary with the bullhorn. <laughs> so I, I kind of kept in touch with them, but in February, I, I reached out to Mary because I thought, she's due soon. I want to know she's having a girl. I want to know she had the baby. So I reached out to Mary. She said, oh, yeah, I've been keeping in touch with her. I've been helping her. She didn't have the baby yet, but it's a girl. Did you know it's a girl? I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. So then I told Mary, I was like, listen, this whole thing, we've been praying for a girl. And, you know, it's, it's the date that it's possible that this woman got pregnant. And, and I told her the name. Now, the name is not... I don't know if you've ever heard the name Jaina. It's not a popular name. So I told her the name that we picked out. And um, she, she's like, oh, I, I don't know what they're going to name her. Well, then a week later, I get a text from Mary saying, what, what did you say you named that baby? <laughs> and I said, Jaina Therese. She goes, oh, you're not going to believe this. I got a text from, we'll just call her Anne. I try to keep the pregnant girl's name mm-hmm. secret. But um. And said, um, she sent a text to Mary. She goes, I thank God for you every day. You were in the right place at the right time. I'm so thankful for my daughter, J-A-N-A. Oh, wow. Man. I can't wait for her to be born. <laughs> so, not, sure not enough, she had the baby. It was a girl. And she named her the name. Now, the spelling was a little different. We had, we had spelled the name J-A-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. But still. Isn't that wow. amazing? Amazing. Amazing. So we keep praying that prayer. Every nine months we adopt new babies. Because, <laughs> and our second adoption, we were in the seventh month, we decided to pray for twins. And when we were in the seventh month of praying, praying for twins, we were all twins. We got the call. Someone is having a baby, having two babies, and they're twins, and we adopt them. And they are in our, my house right now, taking a nap. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I think you, yeah. you even mentioned in I think one of your posts that uh, your family of three began praying this spiritual adoption prayer for uh, a little girl, and then a few weeks later, you had added a boy's name. Is that is that how that went? Mm-hmm. And but it was the first time you ever yeah. uh, spiritually adopted so twins, was, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and that's the so um, our son's name is George. Um, our oldest son is Xavier. But when we brought him the twins, our son, who is now five, kept call- saying it's Sienna, Kathleen, and George Patrick, because those were the twins we were praying, the names that we had picked. So George was never a name. I never thought I have a kid named George. But we were like, well, let's name George. And we have Jana, Kathleen, and George Kieran. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, you know, when we started adopting this, when we added the boy, that I asked my son for a name, and he said George, and I'm pretty sure it's because he likes Curious George. (laughs) (laughs) I was was going to ask you that. How did you get George? But that does make some sense. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? My my husband's grandfather is George. So how long did it take for you to have your twins placed with you? You mentioned seven months after you started praying this spiritual adoption prayer for twins. You're asking, like, how long did it take us to adopt the second time? Yeah. I would say almost three years because we got our home study done. 
and then you know they're only good for a year you gotta pay them again just to right. keep it active so i know i think we had we had just paid the third time in january and they were born in april so less than three years and you didn't go with an agency right you were doing your own independent ado- adoption is that right Yes. Now, when the babies were born, there was a whole lot of drama because the way we actually connected was I got my hair done once by a girl and we started talking about that show that's on, what's the show where they adopted Randall? This Is Us? This Is Us. Yeah. So we started talking about that and, and I said, I don't watch it because my freedom of Maguire, you know, <laughs> my son is biracial and, and I just, you know, I see we don't have an open adoption because we lost contact, not because we don't want one, but they kind of disappeared. And I I just, you know, so we just started talking about adoption. And the girl that was doing my hair, a really young girl, said, oh, my, my mom was adopted. She goes, she's one of five. I was like, wow. So we started talking about adoption. She goes, yeah, she's a uh, labor and delivery nurse at St. Mary's. I said, oh, well, can you tell her about us just in case somebody comes in and says they want to choose adoption? And sure enough, that is how we connected. Wow. Um, the woman came in. So, you know, I even talked to the doctor, but then the next day the social workers got involved. A big a big adoption agency that's like a bully threatened the hospital because they picked us instead of calling them, and we were told we weren't getting them. Whoa. Yeah, so I guess they were born Wednesday or Thursday, Saturday they were going to come home. So Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, after us, my husband and I crying because we really thought this was it, we got a phone call saying, come get them. Hmm. So because our attorney had no paperwork prepared, it was a Saturday, he called an agency. So an agency helped us do some paperwork at the very end, but, you know, so we had to pay them a little bit, but we didn't pay an agency to help us, you know, until then. So they, an agency didn't help us connect, you know. Right, which is, I think, sometimes a large part of an agency fee is just trying to make that connection for you to an expectant mom somewhere. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that was very yeah. harrowing, it sounds like, very stressful there, right at placement time. You... Yes, that happened with actually our first son, too. Mm. But I think that God, everything happens for a reason, such a cliche, but my heart is so worried about what does what if the expectant mother really doesn't want to choose adoption so all you know the things that happen kind of is god saying this was meant to be you don't have to worry about that like you know all of these things happen to to assure you that you didn't you know you're not I don't want to say taking a baby from someone, but I know that I just am so paranoid about so many things that this allows my mind to be more at peace. Because Absolutely. I know it's a loss for for them. Right, you know? right. Yep. Do you stay in contact with the twins' birth parents or birth mom? They, when she went in the hospital, she said she wanted a close adoption. Mm. So the, the agency that got involved, though, did get her information, and, and she did say when they're 18, she would like to meet them. And, you know, I think if she wants pictures, we, we you know, have um, a liaison through right. that agency so that we can do that for the, her, her if she wants them. That's good. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Because she may change her mind. I mean, when you go into the hospital, you're, she might be thinking one thing, but down the road, she may change her mind and... 
want a little more contact. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. And I think our first, uh, you know, with our first son, they wanted an open adoption and then they disappeared. Because, you know, it's hard. And and the whole reason why they can't parent is because this is not the only thing going on in their life right now. Right. so. So the twins, you were there at birth or shortly thereafter? We were there when they were getting discharged from the hospital. So they were three days old. And it, what was it like when you first met them? So we were sitting in the lobby mm, waiting okay. for... We, on the way to the hospital, we had to stop at Toys R Us and get car seats, like an outfit. <laughs> we had nothing. Yep. So, so when we finally... We were sitting in that lobby for a long time, and then we finally got to go up, and it was just... Is amazing. It was amazing, and I couldn't believe how big George was. I had bought like a. His twins are usually small, so I bought a preemie outfit. The kids is like nine pounds because oh, I didn't know how heavy they were. I didn't know how big they were or anything. But yeah, it was awesome. We got you know we held them. The attorney and the social worker took our picture, and we were actually calling George Kieran at the hospital. We hadn't right. picked his name yet. We were thinking, oh, maybe we call him Kieran. Yeah, so then we brought them home and introduced them to their big brother and we had no crib so <laughs> a, a friend of mine at 10 o'clock at night brought over a pack and play and a portable crib or a, it was just insane the first night was insane because we didn't we only had a couple outfits they both got wet I, I was sleeping with them holding them because they were cold because we ran out of they peed through all the, the clothes that we had oh. <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> but it's been wonderful, and I can't believe they're going to be 11 months in like a week and a half. Oh, wow, right. It goes fast. What was the most overwhelming or maybe the big, biggest obstacle you faced in your adoption journey? It could be the first one, second one. What do you think it was? Hmm. Our biggest obstacle well, this time around was, you know, how we almost, did not get to adopt them because of policies and adoption agencies that are competing with one another to, you know, get the few babies that are being placed. I I don't even understand what happened other than God's hand came in and said, nope, these these are Amy and Matt's children. Yeah, because the the birth mom picked you, correct, in the hospital? Well... She was in labor, and she was just saying, I want a closed adoption. I'm not going to parent these children. And the nurse said to the doctor, I know someone, meaning Matt and I. And uh, so the doctor, I talked to the doctor. He was, like, out of breath because he was delivering the babies. Like, he, like, ran out of the room, talked to me on the phone, ran back in the room. (laughs) Like, they were being born. When I talked to the doctor, I guess the doctor said we have someone yet. And she was like, okay, thank you. And then the next morning, the social workers went in with adoption agency pamphlets and, you know, um, made a pick an adoption agency. And the doctor called me and apologized. He's like, people think this happened all the time. It never happened. I don't know what to do. I didn't know there was procedure, you know. So, like, the, the adoption agency threatened the hospital, said that, there was an ethical violation or, or something. They threatened the social worker. Wow. The social worker got scared. So that was, you know, that was a huge obstacle. 
just connecting with someone is very difficult. You know, right. that's why adoption agencies exist, and they are so expensive because to to get the word out to the few people that are considering placing. I want to touch back on that that social worker there because it is a it is an important issue. I think some people can really relate to or <clears throat> understand how it works in a hospital because these social workers don't maybe don't always see adoption. I know in our case that was that's what happened is they don't always have adoption. So when it does come up, they're like they I don't know they freak out, but some, they at least try to uh, fall back on policy and procedure and they may talk at a turn and it sounds like maybe that's mm. what happened here is you 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 were selected or you were chosen at least because she wanted somebody to adopt and they knew you were there but then right. the next day they're like oh well, wait a minute we need to have her pick an adoption agency that could, that's their policy or procedure so that's what threw the monkey wrench in it is that how how it went down yeah, well, I mean, I understand they have to have, they have, they hire these social workers yeah. for situations because they're on salary. This is, you know, I understand that. And, you know, like, like you were saying, I've heard stories before nurses say, you know, when someone mentions adoption, nurses make them feel bad, make them change their mind. Right. But I, the social workers just know that this is, you know, when someone says adoption, this is what you do. You bring in these, you bring in these, um, you know, these yeah. four adoption agencies pamphlets, you ask them, you know, I guess they have some kind of counseling background, mm-hmm. you know, they're there for them, which right. is a good thing. But this situation was unique. They were already matched. And then I don't, I don't really know what happened. I just know that this one agency basically said, you better show, you better let her pick one of our family. They, they're bullies. Yeah. They, Did, they charge more. I, I don't want to name them, but I could. Sure. They charge more than anybody else, and they. They, I guess, they've been around for a long time, and they push people around because they want. You know, it's it's all about the money. Like they, I have discovered a lot of things in the, through my adoption agency about ethics and, mm-hmm. you know, it, like before we adopted our first son, we were matched four times. So I said, you know, are they getting counseling? Because why are we getting picked and then they're changing their mind? It sounds like they're not getting the counseling they need beforehand. Now, the agency we picked for our son, we were told was ethical by the um, home study company, which was separate. So they see different agencies and they said, you know, the one we picked was very ethical, which is why we picked them. But our social worker said, well, we give them a paper. They sign off saying we offer counseling. Like, that's, that's all they did. They just signed a paper and said, we, we can have counseling if we want. They didn't get counseling. You know, so, and that was the ethical adoption agency. So certain things happen that, you know, they justify because they have people on salary. Or, you know, there's a lot of adoption agencies. And again, I know I don't want to sound like a broken record, but there's only a certain amount of people that are considering placing. So. Right. Yeah, it's competitive. You know, it's whether we like to use that word or not. It really is because there's just, right. there's, like you said, only so many uh, women who are choosing adoption plan for their baby. So, yeah, it's right. tough. And as, as hopeful adopted parents, you know, we are kind of stuck in the middle trying to decide if yeah. we're using a, an ethical professional organization or not, and who has our best interest in mind, and also still 
provides the help and support needed for these expected moms making this plan. So it's it's hard for us to sit on the yeah sit and yeah, try to because, figure that out. Know, we wanna we wanna be there for them because they want us. It's hard. It's hard because you know when I think adoption agencies to really support the women after they choose adoption. So and I think some of them do. They birth mother support groups. Absolutely. Like I think that that is super super important and necessary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I the, the uh, maybe uh, tell me if you agree with this, but maybe the the takeaway from this is uh, just keep your eyes open and ask mm-hmm. a lot of questions and make sure people are are on the up and up when they're dealing with you and dealing with these expectant moms because you you yeah. definitely don't want to work with somebody who is uh, just out for the money or being unethical, right? Uh, right. Yeah, you really do have to. Not every adoption agency works the same way. Right. You really need to dig and investigate, and you know, ask ask about how they treat their mothers at place, and, and talk to um, people who've worked with them before too. Yeah, as a reference, you know. Um, not everybody again, has. Well, I would say talk to people who've worked with that agency before too to see mm-hmm. how they've they've dealt with it. And yeah. You might you might get a mix, especially online. You know, a lot of people are willing to share their bad experiences a lot more than they're willing to share good experiences. So, I know every state is different, but like for our situation, we actually our home study was not done by our agency. It was an independent home study. So those, I guess I would call them social workers, um, were able to give us an opinion from the outside. Yeah, that's good. You know, and there's another social worker that I try to recommend people use around here because she's completely reasonable. She just works, she's just a social worker. She doesn't work for an agency. So asking them is a good idea too because they know, they've seen different agencies in action. And we had a great attorney. The agency that threatened the hospital, he had a, a negative impression of them before that happened. But the agency that he called, he he felt that they were more ethical. You know, it's just you do have to look at a couple agencies and, and really think and pray. I mean, really just have to pray about it and pray for your future if someone's listening and they hope to adopt someday. Someone told me to pray for your um, future birth mother. You know, pray for them too. Not just your child, but pray for them too. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great Great tip. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your story. I can tell you're you're passionate about it. Obviously, they're your kids. They're you're going to be passionate about them and and their story. And you went through a lot. So God bless you for all the stuff that you guys have been through. And I know it's not easy. Well, I don't know. I can I assume <laughs> and I can uh, sympathize with you that it's not easy having twins that are uh, what just about eleven months old. Yeah, that's. Yeah. There's a lot of blessings there, but I know there's a lot of challenges as well. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's that's what we pray for though, right? right? You know, that's you know, that's the love. (laughs) But uh yeah, just they're keeping me busy and they're keeping me out of trouble. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) And uh they're all three of our children are just from God for sure, amazing. You know, you, you pray and you dream, and then God says, shows you how much more he can give than what you can imagine and dream about. Beautifully said, and is absolutely true. 
Well, I'd like you to wrap up here and uh, talk about your book that you have out and then um, how folks can contact you and any other projects you got going on. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, as we talked about in the beginning, I do have a blog. It's prayerwinechocolate.com. And as I wrote about adoption, I found myself writing also about prayer journaling. And I uh, last, uh, well, right around when the babies were born, uh, we published, I published a book with a publisher, Grace Watch Media, that is actually a prayer journal for tween girls, uh, ages 9 and up, perfectly 11, 12, 13-year-old girl. Um, it's called Be Yourself. And it is a guided journal for young girls so they can know who they are in God's eyes and what, you know, kind of get an idea of what God's mission is for them. So that's and called Be Yourself, and you can buy that through Amazon or barnesandnobles.com, but also on my website, prayerlinechocolate.com. And I would give a little plug uh, there before you continue. I want to give a little plug because I bought the book uh, just recently. I haven't got it yet, but my daughter's about to turn 11, and we're going to give it to her for her birthday. So hopefully she doesn't listen to this before that, but we're going to give her to We're going to give that to her because I checked it out on Amazon. And it gives you some uh, opportunity to kind of preview through it, and it looked yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, you can see the whole book on GraceWatchMedia.com. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you can view the whole book on GraceWatchMedia.com. And I would recommend uh, if you do have a girl around that age to get it. Uh, they they will love it. I know my daughter will. And uh, if you do want to buy it, would, is the best place to buy it on your blog, prayerwinechocolate.com? Prayerwinechocolate.com or Amazon or Grace Watch Media. It's fine. You know, okay. it, it, honestly, it's on Amazon Prime. So if you want to get it in two days, I would go know. Amazon Prime <laughs> because I can't guarantee two days. But they can purchase it through prayerwinechocolate.com as well. Yeah. All right. Let, thanks for letting me interject there. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Oh, another project that uh, is new, in addition to prayerwinechocolate.com, I also run a website, which is a Catholic directory. It's called catholicsonline.net, and you don't have to be Catholic to benefit from it. Um, If you are Catholic, it's just a great place to find um, other Catholics that are on social media, because this day and age where Twitter can get a little crazy and we're often on our phones, uh, a couple bloggers and I, well, one other blogger and I decided that we needed to let people know that you can also be reminded to pray and be inspired by other Catholics and Christians online. So you can find people to follow on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, but also discover speakers for your, maybe a parish event, artisans that make beautiful rosary bracelets or rosaries, um, publishers that make great Catholic books, you know, we even have a spot for charities and nonprofits. So it's a directory of, um, you know, many, many inspirational, faithful people like you and I. And it's yeah. catholicsonline.net. And I'd right. love for people to check it out, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, and we'll have all those links in the show notes here, so you don't have to try to write down if you're driving or something. Please don't do that. We'll, we'll have, this, we'll <laughs> yeah, have yeah, all yeah, these yeah. links yeah. in the show notes. <laughs> stay safe. Stay safe. Well, that's great. Uh, anything else, or how? Maybe you should just mention how folks could contact you if they have questions or just want to reach out to you. Uh, they can email me at prayerwinechocolate at gmail dot com, or even just message me on Facebook. I'm prayerwinechocolate on Facebook. I'm on that a lot. Send me a private message. Awesome. Yep. And we'll have, I'll put the links in here too. You've wrote a couple blog posts about your 
adoption journey to get a little different detail and other things that you talk about in there too that we weren't able to capture here on the interview. Yes, the Our Lady of Guadalupe one. Oh, that's beautiful. I love we that. We didn't even go there. Yeah. We didn't even go there. It's just another miracle. Oh, yeah. That's so. probably a whole other podcast interview there. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. I would absolutely. Nobody talks too much, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would absolutely recommend reading that though. It's That's a beautiful story about uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe and how that uh, played a part. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, I just really appreciate you sharing your your heart. I feel that really coming out, how you told your story and your faith life. And I'm glad my wife found you so we could bring you on the show. It'll be a great thing for people to listen to a long time from to come. All right. Okay. Well, take care of those Thank little babies. Thank you so much. Thank you. And <laughs> I hope your daughter loves the journal. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she will. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I love this episode today. Amy and her story, I don't know if you could hear it, but you could just feel her heart kind of overflowing there with her three little ones. And I just hope you got a lot of inspiration from her story and some tips and stuff that we threw in there as well. So, of course, you can find all the highlights and links about this show in the show notes uh, for this episode, which is at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 55 you may have heard that I love adoption profile videos and how they work worked for all three of our adoptions. So I would love it if you went to adoptionprofilevideo.com and uh, you can get started on three free videos that'll help you get started creating your own amazing profile video. So thanks for listening. And until next time, you are in my prayers as you go to work on building your family through infant adoption. God bless you. Thanks for listening to my dad.